Hey, Scott. What's up, man? This is our 10th anniversary. What's that now? It's our it's our 10th anniversary. This is the 10th time we've come together to record a podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure that's not how anniversaries work. No, you, yeah, that's exactly how anniversaries work. No, it's annual. That's the an on anniversary. You know, we'd have to be doing this for 10 years. So I shouldn't bring out a cake. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. Name's Bond. James Bond. You seem distracted over there. No, I'm just looking at my clock. I'm just trying to get my my zone here. Just get your bearings. Yeah, I'm you ready. You good now? I'm ready. All right. Yeah. How you been? Uh, I've been doing doing well. Doing well. Enjoying this. Getting hitting stride, and you know, just in time for us to break stride for a little bit. But... Yeah. How was that cake? It was pretty good. What's your favorite cake? German chocolate cake, actually. Did you know German chocolate cake's not German? I'm not surprised by that at all. It's made, It was made by a, an American baker whose last name was German. Well, that's good. And so it's, it was called German chocolate cake because it was literally. I mean, it's a couple. Mister German's chocolate cake. It's a couple removed, but it's it's not made in Germany, but it's a former German making cake. Sure, sure, sure. What's your favorite cake? Carrot. That's just. <laughs> it just seems lame. Carrot cake? Yeah. Carrot cake's delicious. It is delicious. I don't know why it's so funny. I don't know. It's some great icing. It's pretty good icing. So, I'm not really much of a cake guy, honestly. Pie? Yeah, I can do pie. What's your favorite pie? Mm, probably cheesecake. Is that a pie? I was told it's not because that was... that Because was, it has cake in it? That's actually my answer for favorite cake, but it doesn't count. Because it's not so, like... So, key lime pie? That's my favorite pie. I, I like that pie a lot. Yeah. Pumpkin pie? That's also a good what one. What are we talking about here? Who knows? <laughs> There's no pie in, in the, the spy who loved me. Yeah. I mean, Roger Moore may have some comments on that. Yeah. He's a Florida guy. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. might even talk about some Russian pie. Yeah. My favorite Bond girl <laughs> is in this movie, played by Miss, or to be Mrs. Ringo Starr. It'd be Mrs. Mrs. Yeah. Ringo Starr herself, Barbara Bach. And uh, on this podcast, we don't rank the Bond girls, so... That's sexist. That is sexist. But if we did, I think she would be up there for me. I just like her as a character. I like her portrayal of it. She's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Does she... Where's she rank for your your pussy galore? Uh, she's probably higher than pussy galore. You think so? Yeah. If I had, if we, if we had a ranking category. That was the thing we did? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think as as the podcast goes on and we watch some we watch some uh, more of the movies, I think I find I like the femme fatales more than I like the uh, the main Bond women. The Pierce Pierce Brosnan era was good with the femme fatales, mm-hmm. like Naomi. She didn't have much in this in this film, but I, I did like her character. With the, if if they can fly, they're ultimately mm. move up. Mm. That's a thing you enjoy. Yeah. Then uh, you're gonna like Moonraker. Mm. Moonraker. Excuse me. There's some there's some flying ladies in that one. Yeah. So Scott, if you find yourself on Twitter mm-hmm. and you want to find out about our thoughts or what we're doing, where would you go? I would go to uh, Bonding Over Bond at Bonding Over Bond. 
if you were like wanting to send us an email, like uh, Rick from last podcast. Dick. I know. Thanks for listening, Rick. Yeah. Where would you email us at? Uh, bondingoverbond at gmail.com. That's very good. And if you're on Facebook looking at pictures of your grandparents, because that's the only people left on Facebook, mm-hmm. where would you find our page? Uh, Bonding Over Bond Podcast. Right? Is that how it goes? Uh, the Facebook one? Yeah, I think I think. I think it's just Bonding Over Bond. I think it says podcast. I don't know. One, check one or two. I think it's ba- it's backslash Bonding Bond. Over Bond, though. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. We kind of streamlined everything. It's so and, much, uh, so much uh, more difficult to direct someone to a Facebook page than it is a, a email Just search account. us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just look yeah. it up. And if you found yourself on the interwebs and you're on the Google machine and you wanted to find us on there, mm-hmm. where would you find us online? Well, I would go to... Uh, I- it would be the lionizepodcast.com uh-huh. backslash bonding over bond. Uh-huh. As our this is the spin-off, the first spin-off from the Lionize Podcast. This is very true. So this is very true. Maybe one day we'll break uh, the chains from Lionize. Yeah, maybe if we keep writing enough letters to those bastards at yeah. Free Revolt, yeah. they'll cough up some money. Yeah. Well you ready to start this? Yeah, this is what I really enjoyed this movie. So let's uh, let's start bonding over some bond. Let's bond. All right. The Spy Who Loved Me. It's the ninth Bond novel and the tenth Bond film starring Sir Roger Moore. 0013. So like every other podcast, uh, the first thing we kick off with is the 0030 segment. Uh, 0030. This podcast i will be going first and are you ready i know whenever i ring the bell you'll be ready except that one time that i wasn't ready but yeah no yeah i remember that i was like man this is a really good 30 for 30 (laughs) i had to stop you halfway through all right in three two have you seen you only live twice the Spy Who Loved Me is basically that, but way better. Carl Stromberg, a man with an agenda, takes steps to get the United States and the Soviet Union into nuclear war. The vision. He wants the people of the world to live in its oceans. Female Soviet agent Triple X and British agent 007 James Bond are on the case. Stromberg's lead henchman, Jaws, a man with metal teeth, attempts to stop the agents at all costs. We get to see James Bond play the game of operation with the nuclear warhead. Ultimately, Jaws fails, the agent wins, and the people get to live on land. As asinine as it sounds, it's actually a great movie. Could have cut out that entire freaking line. It made no sense anyways about James Bond plays Operation. Now they think it's important. That was a big key. Again, we always do ours differently. Let me do it. You you didn't win. You have a good good winning streak. You can't win them all. That's true. So so no need to to be upset over that. All right. All right. Let me do mine and we'll do some loose ends. Okay. In three, two, one. A Russian sub-captain looks through his periscope and sees, Oh no! 
Russia calls their best agent, Agent Triple X. It's a woman! MI6 calls Bond, who dramatically jumps off the cliff. Someone is stealing nuclear subs, and the plot of the film is almost too simple. Find the subs! The mission takes Triple X and 007 to Egypt, the Mediterranean Sea, Sardinia, and finally Atlantis. Along the way, Bond meets a giant named Jaws. The future M gets bested by his Russian counterpart, the beautiful and cunning Ayana Ah, and drives a Lotus turned submarine. Of course, 007 foils the mission, and of course, he ends up in the water with a beautiful woman. Like every other Bond film. Like every other one. I always stumble on her last name. Mm-hmm. Had to keep it. You had to keep it simple with Triple X. I, I just got to keep. Yeah, I know. I was doing that. Loose ends. Uh, I really like the. You touched upon the environmental theme much more than I did um, with that. You, you actually put the plot in the film. It's much, It's a little more than finding the subs. Mm-hmm. I was a little tongue in cheek there, but it was a pretty simple plot. Mm-hmm. They did need to find the subs because we find out that uh, Carl Strasberg's plan is to nuke. Trump. Stromberg, excuse me, is to nuke New York and Moscow so mm-hmm. that our codes are triggered and the world ends and people have to live in the water. Yeah. Pretty simple. I mean, I have to think all that nuclear runoff will probably get in the oceans and kill everybody there too, but you know. People didn't know about that then. Yeah. It was simple. Yeah. Simple times. Is this the uh, second movie in a row that has to do with the environment? Uh, no, Live and Let Die. So, Golden Gun. No, it was Golden Gun was about the environment. This is like the whole... Live and Let Die was kind of about it. it was no, they Yeah, did... it's about... Ener- it's an energy crisis. Energy crisis, but... And so, a movie... super villain... Someone may have tweeted from our account today that the Golden Gun, the spy who loves me in Moonraker, is a pretty good environment spy thriller yeah. series, if you look at it like that. Because there are three environmental environmental plots I think it just comes down to what was going on in the 70s any other loose ends no okay so on to my favorite segment bond for the non-bond Scott sell me on the spy who loved me um so off the top of your head what would you what would you say to someone who's never seen the spy who loved me lately what comes to my mind is it's just like whatever my opening line is for my 0030, uh-huh. that's kind of what I would do in my Bond or Bond. What's your opening line? Have you seen You Only Live Twice? That's a horrible... I know. <laughs> <laughs> the Spy Who Loved Me is basically that, but way better. Okay. My sell for this movie, my pitch is simply, it's the best Roger Moore film. And I think you can make an art... Nah, yeah, Okay. You want to get a sense of what Roger Moore could do as James Bond, you start and stop here. It was a damn good movie. It, it, it is. It ranks pretty high for me. We'll get into that for in, his, in a bit. For as cartoony and campy as it is, it somehow still is a good movie. It, it, it holds up. So let's start tearing this movie apart piece rank by, by rank. The Distinguished Debauchery of 007. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard, but it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. By the cut of his suit you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally think human beings dress like that. But you were it with such disdain. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect queen and country beautiful 
now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. Martinis. Rank on the scale of zero to five olives. I don't know if Roger Moore just does not like to drink. But yeah, martinis are back. That is so by my by my count, I'm at one olive. Me it, too. It is for the martini shaken, not stirred with It's back. Yep, it's back. It's the first time we've seen it since Roger Moore has yep. come on. Yep. And then the only other thing is Dom Perignon. Fifty three. Fifty two. Really? Yes. Okay, well played. Can we fact check that? We can fact check that. Okay. Casino Roya. Rank from lowest poker hand to highest. So pretty simple, much like I do when I play poker, I'm going to fold. I have changed my tune with this category. I mean, it is a fold. There's no There's, there's no, game no gambling. Play. Yeah, there is. You could do some existential, I don't know what kind of asshole would do this, but talk about like, he's gambling with the world as he's, you know, playing operation yeah. with the... <laughs> but no, there's literally no, there's no literal gambling in this film. I don't even think, I know we're kind of, this has nothing to do with the category. But I don't even think we see him light a cigar in this movie. No, I so have there's zero. No, there's barely any drinking, there's no gambling, and there's no smoking in this movie. You're behind a category, but yes, I absolutely agree with you on yeah. that. Turnbull and Asser. Rank from zero to five cuff links. I gotta say, I, I put this at three cuff links. So did I. We're like, we're even, getting good. We're getting good even, here. We're not even having debates here. <laughs> For There were far less outfit changes in this movie. He spent the majority of the time in, in his uniform. And, you know, he starts out with his yellow ski suit and everything. And then he had that nice tux period. Yes. In the middle there. He looked good. He looked good. He looked sharp. It was a sharp-looking tux. Yeah. I give it three, and I simply said he's improving with each film. The outfits are getting they're getting, getting bondier. Yeah, they're getting, you know, they're getting more focused in. And, yeah. And, and not this, I can change 26 times, but there's... And wear a lot of field shit. jackets. Yeah. And the, the cream double-breasted jacket. Yeah. Aston Martin. Rank from 1 to 500 horsepower. I gave this... Carmarine. Huh? You like that? Or Carmarine? Carmarine? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a car submarine. Four hundred and fifty horsepower. Mm. Getting back to the high end. The Lotus mm. Espedit S1. It's a sexy car. It handles well. It drives it drives well. I would like to see it. Um, like in the movie, it turns into a sub, although I'm gonna we rate things differently. Mm. I'm giving this car four hundred and fifty horsepower based off of it being a lotus. Like the lotus I could go mm-hmm. buy in, in the 70s and, and go and speed. Is that fair? Did you do that for the DB5? Or did you use the gadgets? Did the gadgets factor into the DB5? I believed you can actually build those gadgets into a DB5. I don't believe you can turn this car into a submarine. Mm, yeah, okay. So that, I don't... In Bond world, it's 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 a great... It's, it's a phenomenal little Bond gadget. Mm-hmm. But in, and for ranking the car... And the chases are getting better. I'll say that too. Yeah, that's really that's good. more technology than car, but yeah. I had it at five hundred horsepower. Yeah, I really liked it. Does that tie the Aston Martin? It does. It Oof. does. Uh, doesn't necessarily. I'm going to mean I'm going to rank it that way. But Oof. for this film, how much I enjoyed this vehicle, uh, I had it at five hundred horsepower. Q Branch rank from zero to five Qs. For Q Branch. Um, I had him at three Qs, and 
there weren't really like crazy gadgets in this movie. Not uh, really. What did you have, Matt? Uh, two cues. Two cues. So we're not that the far. The wet off. bike and the Seiko watch. Yeah, the the Seiko telegraph machine watch thing. Yeah. Uh, he had the oh the microfilm reader that he read on the that he had on the ship when they were going to Cairo when she he looked at the microfilm before. Uh, that's Major right. Amasova. Right. Yeah. Amas. How do you pronounce her name? Emma. Amasova. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Before she blew the cigarette into his face. Yeah. But other than that, and you know, I put the Lotus submarine and everything in there, and it was pretty much not that crazy um, of quantity. You know, as I guess you the submarine out, kind of—it's definitely cute. That's a cue gadget. Yeah. yeah, that would that would bring it over. But to what your point, I mean, it makes it—it's a pretty far-fetched cue. Like the DB5, everything you could probably do on a car. Right. Converting the car into a submarine—I mean, it's kind of difficult, especially on a car like that. But because in one scene you see it drive out over the dock, and it has the normal. Um, underpinnings of a car, and then it gets in the water, and it instantly is fully covered. Uh-huh. I love it. Also, though. can I quickly say this? Sure. Um, James Bond is not wearing a Seiko. No, he is. I mean, really though, like. Oh, you're yeah. saying Seiko didn't have a ca- like a Casio watch? I mean, if you're James Bond, oh, you're gonna be and you go buying a watch. Yeah. Are you looking? Are you like, oh, let me stop at the Seiko's watch i wear a seiko so i kind of find this offensive i mean my first watch my father handed me a down a broken seiko and i wore it when i was a kid and i thought it was awesome mm-hmm. but um then i started getting into watches and i realized <laughs> that it's a pretty shitty watch i like my seiko watch it's not a shitty watch i take that back if you want to sponsor us i'll wear one this one but i'm saying i don't think that one looks kind of shitty i don't think that's the watch james bond would wear i'm sure Seiko has some high-end watches that James Bond might wear. I'm saying they but probably don't. But looking at don't. the Casio knockoff that they had this guy in. Watches? Is a digital watch like the big thing in the 70s? Like, it was Look huge. what we can do! Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh, and we put a telegraph in there too for you. Which was a label maker, let's be yeah, honest with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That they were sliding beneath the watch to come through. That's how they did that one, let's be honest with ourselves. License to kill. Rank from zero to seven rounds. License to kill. I have it at three rounds. What? Uh, four kills? Is, did he have more than four kills? That's what I had. Excuse four me? Kills. Did he have more than four kills? I have this at seven rounds or two nuclear missiles. He killed everybody on those subs by changing the targets for their nuclear missiles. Oh, snap. This is like a freaking bloodbath. You know, to- I'm, I didn't even count that. Yes. I apologize. I mean, the number has got to be pushing over 100. Because, I mean, he kills one, two. I mean, I, I would probably have to take the entire time we're on this category to count the many, as many kills as I have. The majority of them come from the subs. Uh, there's a couple men here, there, four men in the underwater battle. He kills Naomi in the helicopter with a Lotus sub missile. Uh, three guys in the car that go off the cliff after the windshield is sprayed. A Jaws, the one where Jaws walks out of the building, so everybody in the car dies, but Jaws walks out, and uh-huh. the car goes off the... So it's just, it's a bloodbath. Compared I completely the, forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there watching this movie, going, oh, there's not a whole lot of deaths here, but... I did write down, and maybe I was just so happy that I got back to it. Um, the scene, I thought it really set off the tone, where he's questioning the man on the roof, and mm-hmm. the guy's holding off to his tie, and then he answers the question. Oh, Sanders? And yeah. Bond swipes his hand, so then he just falls back. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I said, that's, that's James Bond. Yeah, that's, it is. He's he's back. Well, while we're on it, and it is one of the licenses to kill, the way he kills Stromberg. Uh-huh. Shoots him four times. You gotta do that. I know, but that's that's not what we've seen in previous films, you know. He's... The Roger Moore seemed a little more... 
not cold blooded. It felt like Doctor No killing right. um, Professor Dent. Dent. Thank yeah. you. Finally, the quote Bond Girls, end quote, rank from zero to five suffragettes. For Bond Girls, I have it at one suffragette. Okay, I have it at zero. And I was on the line of zero. I actually, for the longest time, and this leads me to my comment slash kind of a question for you. I had it at zero. Anya Abasova. The entire film. Okay, except? Very strong at first. And then I says, I said, turns into typical Bond girl with tits about to pop out when fleeing Atlantis at the end of the film. They had her in that sexy outfit that Stromberg had to put in. She was essentially helpless. She wasn't doing anything. Like, she didn't get lead the way to the hatch. She was the little rabbit that Bond was saving from the slaughter. Versus she was very strong in the first three quarters of the film. She was a very strong character. But I thought she got really weak at the end, which is why I gave her the one. Right. Got to the one. Okay. So That's fair. And then uh, the only other girl was really Naomi. Right. Who was the uh, the femme fatale. Mm-hmm. No comments about her? Nope. I thought this... I thought Agent Triple X uh, was... You know, like they said, the Russians, they needed to call their number one agent. They called her. Mm-hmm. She's the equivalent of James Bond. I thought that was great that they would have, you know, a female character. I know the plot, Spy Who Loves Me, blah, but still, like, she bested Bond quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, she did all the things Bond would do. She's at the beginning of the film. She has a lover. Yeah. This is a huge thing. She has a lover, but she's still, you know, she's getting some from this guy. Who in, oh, that's right. You know, well, that's a very it? Bond thing. She's she's got her biddy. He's out in the mountains on a mission. And she's like, "Mom and lead some loving." Wow, I never. This guy's about that. handsome. Yeah. I'm gonna get me some of this shit. And then uh, it turns out that Bond kills her guy, and she's just like, "Hey, it's part of our job. I get it." Because she was called to report to her M equivalent. Yes, uh, General Golubeb or whatever uh-huh. his name was. Uh huh. And That's she's right. in bed with that, and the camera makes you think that he He's the is triple Agent Triple X with his you know hairy chest and yeah. his. You know, I was like, that's not Roger Moore. Who, who are we doing here? I want to quickly, I'll just add and then we'll move, completely move on. I did enjoy that. I read an interview that Barbara Brock stated that James Bond, after she got done filming the movie, felt that as a character, he was a chauvinist pig who used women to shield himself from who he was. And I was like, he's done that multiple times. You know, I know. I thought that was pretty astute after playing the character to like. Be that close to the Bond character and just see, you know, you're you're a scared, sad, lonely man mm-hmm. who's just using all these women. Slash, I kind of hope that that was a commentary on Roger Moore. <laughs> I think it's the first time she she brings up uh, his case file and and he was previously married. Yeah, I like that scene. Yeah, that was a good scene. And then I also like the way she turned. And is that only the second time since Tracy died that she's even referenced? Is that the second time, or I thought that was the first time, but maybe that is the second time. I mean, I think you get some kind of hint that when Sean Connery is slapping around everybody, and mm. he's pissed off that he's pissed off because Blofeld killed his wife. They don't mention Tracy, but it's mm-hmm. obviously it's very much innuendoed. Yeah, that could be okay. And then uh, lastly. I just also like I like their dialogue when she puts two and two together that that he killed uh, her lover. Yeah, her. her yeah, she's Barra, smart. So. She's smart. It was good. It was a good scene. Yep.
Welcome to Bonding Over Bond, Running Rankings. Opening Sequence. Speaking of which, the opening sequence, which I loved. I loved it too. Had it in the top five. Top Uh, five? Yeah. Top third? Are you already going to predict top five? I'm going to predict. What's in my top five now? Oh, and you're running right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm acting so surprised. It's mine too. It's like my my third one. Yeah, you had me were there for a minute. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, it's from the moment the movie starts, like, oh man, what did the sub see? It just captures you. Yeah. And then the triple X, I thought that was a wonderful scene, bond skiing downhill. It's just great, the filming of it. And then to know the backstory, it's just pretty that, you know, one camera shot and it just happened that out of five or six cameras that were on it, that yeah. one camera luckily was <laughs> able to follow him down the white snow and just like zoomed in. Yeah. And then the Union Jack popping out as the parachute. Uh, I'm not even British, great. but I was like, yes. Yeah. This is great. That is awesome. And I don't know how many times I've seen that opening sequence, but I still love, you know, loved every second of it. And it just transitions in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what more can we say? Yeah. It was, it was, it was great. Top third. I loved it. Main movie song. Uh, the song. I'm going to put it in the middle third. Uh, nobody does it better. It was a good song, you know. But there's that's a heavy category. There's some some good songs on there. So I'm gonna, which third? I, I'm I'm projecting it's going to even be in the middle third. Okay, okay. Um, I'm I'm projecting it's going to be in the top top third. Yeah, number six, possibly. All right, I buy that. <laughs> Cars number three. I'm projecting long term here. I right now have it third by default because the Aston Martin DB5 is tied for one and two. So it's sitting third. Um, and then I think it's going to hold pretty strong until we get to the end of the series. I think there's one or two Aston Martins that are going to push it down and one Z8 BMW mm-hmm. from the Pierce Brosman series. You like that Beamer a lot more than I do. A Z8? But, yeah. You ever seen a Z8 up close? No. It's a beautiful car. I, I don't doubt it. But at the moment, I, I have it as the, as you said, it's it's going to be top third, but I have it as the number two car behind the, the DB5, which actually makes it number three. Of all the Bond cars, can we, you don't know the official story, but your father almost owned a Bond car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish I would have, I wish I would have cleared up the cobwebs. But I remember, this is, going back to the start of this whole podcast series, I, you know how Goldfinger is my favorite movie, mm-hmm. but this is probably the first Bond movie I've ever seen and mm-hmm. probably the one I've seen the most mm-hmm. because I remember all the times watching it with my dad and him telling us the story of the Lotus when he was in the Marines and overseas uh, in the Philippines, he almost bought a Lotus and moved it back. But I think the story when his father got sick, so he just kind of held off pulling the trigger on buying yeah. buying the car. And then I was usually spiraled into the talk about... He had a he had a uh, a fiance at the time and right, you know, what right. could have been you know yeah, the white. I may not even been you know yeah. be on this earth he know, could have so. owned a lotus and been a spy what could have been could have been yeah you know? so it's, this is for me and I know Golden Gun brought a lot of childhood memories back for you yeah this was brought a lot of childhood memories sitting on the couch it's watching TBS marathons Marathon. yep so it was good good times the villain so I can't believe i feel this way about it but carl stromberg is going to be uh-huh. very high on the list for me above blofeld's 
Yes, because... But he's like a poor man's Blofeld. Is he? Yeah. I will tell you, the biggest problem I have with Stromberg was the fact that they dressed him in the gray suit the one time, which made him... Seem like a poor is man's he, Blofeld. Yeah, is he... Are they trying to make him like Blofeld? He originally was supposed to be Blofeld. I did not know that, but... Yeah. For me, what I really liked about him was he got his hands dirty multiple times throughout the film. He didn't give two shits about killing millions of people because he had an agenda. I mean, Jaws got his hands dirty. No, he... He, uh, he did put that woman... The two betrayed him. Yep. It fed her to the sharks. Yep. Uh, he and tried then to blew kill, up the helicopter. He blew up the helicopter. He yeah. tried to kill Bond on multiple occasions. Uh, but ultimately, I think what really made him evil for me and what I really enjoyed was um, his line was when Bond asked him how much how much do you want for us to to for you to not shoot these missiles and he said I'm not interested in extortion. I intend to change the face of history. You know, he was mm-hmm. a man with a principle. He wasn't a part of Spectre. You know, right. as soon as he said, I'm, I'm not interested in extortion, I was like, well, this is clearly not a Spectre case. Right. So how did you have him ranked? Probably pretty, not as high? Pretty low, but right. I like you, you. You've made a good argument. Yeah. I might have to reconsider where I place the poor man's Blofeld. And I would get that out of your mind. Get the whole, he's not Blofeld, even though they maybe tried to make him that. And does that right. totally change your opinion? Right. Because a poor man's Blofeld, yeah, he's at the bottom of the list for me. Which is where I see him. So maybe mm-hmm. I just got to readjust how I see him. Yeah. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning... Is Jaws Superman? <laughs> I mean, I get that he has metal in his face and he can probably survive like car crashes and, mm-hmm. you know, blunt attacks to his head. But, uh, I mean, he survives some ridiculous things and just walks away unscathed. Which, and if something like that happened and you only live twice, I would be like, this is such a crap movie. But there's a level of comedy to it that I really enjoy. Wait till Moonraker. Is it even worth The actor's portrayal is Bond. James Bond. He's getting better. Uh, not good enough to move him up any more than I would, but I'm happy to see that... This, uh, this is what I wrote down. He felt more like James Bond, and I think of a lot of that success comes from the following fact that they um, they let Roger Moore bring his style into James Bond, the mold of James Bond, rather than what I felt they were doing wrong in the first two movies is they tried to bring the James Bond mold... Or the James Bond character into the Roger Moore mold. Mm-hmm. So he's smoking more cigars. He's wearing the field jackets. He's, you know, not as serious. Mm-hmm. He, that's who Roger Moore naturally is. He's much more flirty and one-liner than, you know, that the than how Sean Connery approaches. You know, he's really... Sean Connery's kind of using these women. Yeah. And Roger Moore is just like, oh, you're a chick. Uh, hey, hey, girl. <laughs> you know. And then this one I felt they're like, okay, we're going to take... These things that are you, but we're going to place them squarely back into who James Bond. He's a killer. He's a spy. He's, you know, alone in the world. He's, you know, the, the opening line, the, the girl's like, I need you. And so does England. So does England. Yeah, that's... What do you think? I'm, I'm starting to like Roger Moore a lot more uh, in this film. And I, I kind of have a question for you because immediately when the scene happened, I was like, I need to talk to Art about this. Because this was a, we talked about it in Doctor No. Mm-hmm. When Jaws jumps out and is attacking uh, Major Amasova, I'm, I can't say her name. I'm just gonna call her Triple X. Mm-hmm. And James Bond breaks the bottle of champagne over Jaws's back. So I'm like, is he evolving? He is not the Connery Bond. He's not the alcoholic. You know, he's like, I'm willing to use this blunt force object to try to get this. 
giant off of this woman. Right. You know, versus, you know. Sean Connery would look twice. I got a shoe I can hit him with. Right. You know? The one thing in this movie, I, I not just in this movie, but the last two with Roger Moore, I've wondered multiple times, where's his Walter PPK? Mm-hmm. Like, you can just reach into your coat jacket and pull out your gun and squeeze the trigger a few times. Yeah. And and that hasn't happened as much. Rank the overall movie. So if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, I rank this movie pretty high. Me too. It's in the top tier. Top third and uh, I said likely in the top five. Okay. Um, yeah. Projecting. I think we're in the same place. <sighs> We've got a lot of time dedicated to this category. Is there anything you want to discuss? or? Well, you, you, like you mentioned, the... Looking past the poor man's Blofeld, and mm-hmm. that's something I have to do. But it's worth mentioning this, this movie. There's a huge break in between Man with the Golden Gun and oh, yeah. Spy Who Loves Me. Yeah, three years. So right? yeah, Roger Moore did two back to back, and then um, this one is what seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay, yeah. So we have a little break. A lot of it was legal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't mentioned yet for the first time. This is different. Cubby's by himself. Yeah. Um, so Schultzman. Saltzman. Saltzman. Mm-hmm. Had you know quite a number of debts that he had to pay off. He had used his share in Eon Productions as collateral. Ballsy, yeah, big Ooh. ballsy move. And those investments he made came through. He had some debt to pay, couldn't pay him, and so there was there were some struggles there. But also the silliness with Kevin McClory, mm-hmm. who I don't know if we so talked about. Guy, right? Yeah, we if we went in how much detail. I don't remember how much detail we went into in Thunderball that he has this credit with Thunderball because. Before Ian Fleming wrote Thunderball, Kevin McClory and Ian Fleming were in production to do a movie together, and McClory claims that the plot they came up with ended up being Ian Fleming's novel, Thunderball. Mm -hmm. And so he has rights to Thunderball, which is why he was a producer during Thunderball. But then he sued Eon Productions for uh, use of Blofeld, because Blofeld, he claimed was a character they came up with. Uh, together and that was like he had rights to it mm-hmm. and so that's why they had to go back in the script and they had to change um the character of Stromberg. carl yeah stromberg yeah. and so you see some this is a this is a spectery plot mm-hmm. almost and then i felt Absolutely. that line of you know i'm not into extortion i felt that was a slap in the face really to both kevin mcclory and and this character like yeah we can okay. we can be bigger than blofeld like yeah, we don't yeah. need Blofeld to have a villain who's, you know... And you've really put him in a different light. I'm going to have to go back and, mm-hmm. and rethink him. I mean, this is a man who he didn't... You know, Spectre's often about just gaining power and money. And mm-hmm. he's really... He's like, no, I'm going to destroy humanity mm-hmm. so that we can live underwater. <laughs> Which is <laughs> so frightening. Asinine. Just frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to... You know, we've discussed... Uh, you know, this is a little, if you're, if you're a regular listener, what the future of our podcast is, we're going to take a real deep dive into some of these movies. Yeah. The way we study these movies, we do it solo and get together and have our notes and we have a structure and we, we, we talk about it. Right. But I think the, you know, extra, the super version of bonding over bond, well, when we do our deep dives, we're going to sit down together and have an open dialogue and, you know, and put together a great set of material. So I think, you know, we learn a lot about the character when you get another you get another person's opinion mm-hmm. on it, you know. Right, right. Um, well, so what? You only live twice. We both have ranked pretty low. Yep. Lewis Gilbert is yep. the director of both these films. Yep. Both these films have million dollar sets by uh, Ken Adam. Adam. They're a very similar plot. Very. 
very similar plot. Mm-hmm. Yet, this movie's one of the best. Mm-hmm. You Only Live Twice is one of the worst. Why do you think that is? Is it just the is it just the era? Is it the the timing? Like, is it the actor? Much like you said, Roger Moore would have been better for Diamonds Are Forever. Right. You know, is this just the redo of You Only Live Twice with a little tint, you know, a little twist? Right. But and we, all the we, pieces are there. We talked. Sean Connery was he was fried. He was yeah. done when when You Only Live Twice is was made. It? He wasn't mentally in it. Mm-hmm. He was phoning that home definitely uh, very much. And then I think there's something to be said of the fact that that movie is based in Japan. And I thought there were tinges of these British writers just didn't, they didn't know how to incorporate the Japanese culture without just being ridiculously offensive. Yeah. But I think there's a point you make there with putting Roger Moore in You Only Live Twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And the scene, like the bathing scene, where it just came off awkward and weird Mm -hmm. with Sean Connery was kind of out of character, even for him and his portrayal of James Bond. But that kind of that may be kind of a thing that Roger Moore could have done a little jokier. Uh, yeah, is that the right yeah, word? Tongue in cheek. Yeah, exactly. You know, even yeah. That's and that's what I loved about this. Except movie. that he too, like his Japanese counterpart, would have been bare chested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's what I love. I think he brings, and it's growing on me. His one-liners. Mm-hmm. It just it, it adds the edge, which I can't believe after how much I was loving watching the Connery. Uh, James Bond movies. Now I'm starting to shift the pendulum, starting to switch, you know, go to the other direction because I really like the campy side of it. Because he puts a fun, it just doesn't feel campy. It's just fun to watch. Right. Like the whole scene with Jaws ripping apart that telephone repair truck to try to get at them, and mm-hmm. and Triple uh, X trying to tr- trying to get the shifter in reverse and everything. It was right. Just, I laugh my ass off even as you know, 33 years when you know I loved it as a 12 year old. You know, so it's just good stuff. Is there anything? I mean, can we? Are you ready to go into the? Yeah. How, was it real? I thought it was one of the more believable plots. It was. Really? It was very similar. It reminded me a lot of Hunt for Red October. Okay. Where okay. as the, as the viewer or reader, Hunt for Red October is a phenomenal book mm-hmm. for those of you that have maybe never bothered to pick up the book. But Hunt for Red October, the Americans don't know. Why, who it's also a Sean Connery movie. It's a yes. great Sean Connery movie. <laughs> they don't know why the, the Russian sub commander has defected mm-hmm. and they believe that he's planning on nuking America or, you know, something like it. So a very similar idea that the, that's what the Americans think are happening. Mm-hmm. And Jack Ryan is like, no, 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 no. I've, I have a doctorate. I've studied these Russians. Like send me down there to talk. There's something else going on. And it just had that same kind of, you know, vibe, mm-hmm. you know, vibe to it. So. I thought it was believable. I didn't know if his plan would succeed. I didn't know, you know, I'm not saying that it would have worked. I'm not saying Atlantis is so, conceivable. I'm just saying the plot okay, of I'm so going to steal a sub. I'm with you there. You know, I'm going to, I have this huge hangar where I can steal subs. That, the to, the plot was believable. Mm-hmm. Jaws, meh, the, the Atlantis that comes in and out. <laughs> You know, How many other things? The submarine car. <laughs> I wish they would have thrown in a jetpack. Oh wait, that's real. Jet, jetpacks are real. Yeah, that's. When you say it like that, it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it, is it that unrealistic to, you know, be able to steal these subs, and especially at that time in in, in history, how much the hatred was for the cold, you know, in the Cold War for right. USSR and right. the, the United States. It's not that far-fetched, I guess. But there were... I My note actually was horrible, you only live twice caliber, 
but I loved it for some reason. And mm-hmm. maybe it's like you pointed out that the plot is there. It's not that unrealistic. It's just some of the things are a little over the top. Right. But I still loved it. Don't know why. What are, what are other things you loved about the film? Uh, probably way up there on my, my movie memories, I love the Lotus driving out of the water. Uh-huh. And driving up on the beach. Yeah. That guy doing the double take. Yeah. He's like, how much of this wine have I had to drink? <laughs> and I love Jaws. Now, maybe he goes to shit in Moonraker, but in this film, he's everything the the 15-year-old in me. I loved it so much, and I, I thought he was just a great a great villain. You know, he's, he's undefeatable. Like, you couldn't kill him. Right. You know, all the times that James Bond almost had him, and he kills the shark by biting into him. And part of it, I mean, we've, we've talked about this off-podcast. Mm-hmm. The TBS marathons were oh, Roger yeah. Moore heavy. Yeah. And absolutely. I wonder if a lot of it was, this is a movie a kid could watch with his father, and mm-hmm. his dad's picking up all the sexual one-liners, mm-hmm. all that, but a kid's just like, oh, this Jaws guy's great. Yeah. This is hilarious. This is so fun. You know, it's like, like Animaniacs. I used to watch Animaniacs with my dad, mm-hmm. and I never, I was like, man, my dad loves this cartoon so much, and then I got older, and I was like, oh, man, he's laughing at completely different jokes <laughs> than I was laughing at. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get away with that in the Roger Moore films, mm-hmm. much more than any Connery or at that point in the 80s, it would have just been Connery and Dalton. There would have only been three bonds. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's something. Is there anything to, else to you love? Yeah, the, uh, the opening. I, I was, I'm a big fan of the opening. Uh, Barbara Bach, I can't say mm-hmm. can't say enough positive things about about her. The Lotus, I also liked. I liked the car. The sets, I'm coming to really admire Ken Adams and the sets that he's creating. They're fun. Yeah. They, they look good on camera. Even they're, they're really good, and the chart, the car chases. I'm really big on car chases, and it really takes me out of a movie when they just look like crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because going back to the beginning, the first car chase in Doctor No looked great, and then there's awful. like a 20 car chase buffer of just like, you guys are messing this up. I know you can do it. This is not turning out well. Yeah, and we're kind of getting back to like, okay, they're doing good car chases again. So can we go ahead and uh, especially on, on, the car helicopter that chase? Was, that's where I'm that going. That was a good one. That's where I'm going. That was real good. So can we go ahead and just say right now that maybe it was a Cubby Broccoli? Who was the producer that loved the helicopters? Because Saltzman's gone now. Uh-huh. And we had a, another great helicopter scene. We had the helicopters delivering to the uh, the agents to the, the sub. It was Cubby. It had to be Cubby. Yeah. So it was a great helicopter scene. And, you know, woman pilot. So ranks up there for me. What did you hate? The 70s music. The like, like the, during yeah. the chase scenes? Yeah. And I get, I get that it's the 70s. But here's the thing. James Bond is kind of above that. He's a little above it. They're a matter of the era. There's some classic jazz. There's some Rat Pack music. They're just something quintessential. The distinguished and the debauchery, I think, is missing from the from the music section. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a hate. I'll tell you what I hated. James Bond. All he had to do was read a book, and he learns how to use the tracking system to identify where the subs are at. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, hmm, let me uh. I'll just type this key real quick. Yeah. I was like, come on. Have one of the guys off the subs who uses some kind of tracking system go over there. Not right. have James Bond. It was just very far-fetched for me. I can believe that. Anything you would kill? Nothing. I have the, the length of the ending sequence. I thought I thought was a bit much. And I wrote down that, again, in our continuing project of someone doing their master's in film editing mm-hmm. to go back and look at this. Use Skyfall. I think Skyfall is a perfect example. I get that that the Bond that this film was going for that prolonged. It's it's like forty minutes mm-hmm. of like this tension of they're captured, the thing they're they're inside 
um, Atlantis and then the sub, blah, blah, blah. They're in the cargo ship, excuse me, not Atlantis. And they have to go back. I get this prolonged sequence that they're trying to build the tension. But I feel like Skyfall does it for well over an hour. Yeah. You know, starting with the chase in London and then going into Scotland. And I felt that was a good movie. This is how you do a prolonged I, sequence. I see your point. Because I, I when you started talking about Skyfall being the, the a good example, I was like, Skyfall felt a little long to me in that mm-hmm. closing. But like you said, the ending sequence was an hour long. Right. You know. This was all of 15 minutes of the movie. Right. And there were times where it felt, okay, oh, there's another explosion going on inside the right. uh, uh, Laparis or whatever the name of the ship was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit, you only live twice. Mon- yeah. Monorail and explosion here. Yes. Here, yeah. 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 All right. Closing shots? Nothing. No? Yeah. It was a good movie. It was. Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. So next for us, another cash-in, Bond in Outer Space. Woo! Been there before. Actually, no, we haven't. Yes, we have. First time Bond's going there, though. First time Bond's going out of space. we've space. We've been to space plenty of times. Some good, some bad. Yeah. You only live twice. Hey, do you have any uh, any Bond fan friends? Dubai? Yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you have any Bond fans, be sure to tell them. You can download all of our podcasts on iTunes. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us at Twitter at uh, Bonding Over Bond. Follow us on Twitter at Bonding Over Bond. Like our Bonding Over Bond Facebook page. Be sure to send us an email like Rick did. We won't uh, make sure it's a good email and don't be a dick about it and we'll read you on our podcast because we want to foster this uh, community of bonding. Let's get our mailbag going. Mailbag mm-hmm. segment going. Talk mailbag. To us. Mailbag. Email us at bondingoverbond at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can always head on over to www.lionizepodcast.com. How do you spell that? L-I-O-N-I-Z-E podcast.com. Okay. And uh, be sure to click on the Bonding Over Bond tab for more content, trivia, news, and, of course, corrections. Corrections. And remember, if you have metal teeth, stay away from giant magnets. Thank you for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Until next time, shake it. Don't start Can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. F- it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. F- thing sucks.